May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Romans 15, verse 4. The message of both today's collect and epistle is that humanity's only source of hope and comfort flows from the sacred word the Holy Spirit puts into our hands and into our ears and into our hearts. Truly, the most dangerous aspect of living in the 21st century West is that we are surrounded by a culture and a society which simply doesn't believe this life-saving truth. The hard question the second Sunday of Advent asks us practicing Christians is, do we believe it? Do we believe that God has moved creation itself to speak to us through the Bible? Are we willing to die to hear and study the voice of God? Or, as we have seen in the tragedy of the 21st century West, are we even willing to be slightly inconvenienced to come in contact with the divine? Perhaps it would be easier for us if someone was actually murdering us for having Bibles, as has been the case in much of Christian history and continues throughout the world. One of the things that does not get reported very much at all is how much, for instance, our fellow Anglicans in Nigeria are being systematically slaughtered for this very faith we're discussing. Maybe if we watched men and women filled with the Holy Spirit give their lives to the Word of God, we would again get more of a sense of the unique importance for human creatures. But alas, instead of seeing the members of our community become martyrs, witnesses to this truth, it is the Word of God, unloved and untouched, through which our fallen world encourages us to reenact the abandonment of the word made flesh on the cross. For years, I have thought about this demonic irony of our modern world. We have unlimited access to the word of God, but also a, a sharply declining biblical literacy. I suspect, looking to my own redeemed yet very sinful heart, I suspect that we tend to think of the Bible as if it were kind of any other book. We say, well, I've read it once or twice, or parts of it, and so I get it. Or maybe we are victims of uh, an American education system that has been proven through peer-reviewed research to teach us to hate reading. Or maybe we just don't read and study the Bible enough because it's very hard. It's hard. Perhaps we are just so used to being titillated and entertained and sold to that we just don't know how to put in the effort of having our small ideas of who we are and what we're supposed to do be challenged and destroyed by the living God. Perhaps it simply hurts too much to read the Bible. And perhaps so many have made comfort their God. None of these reasons are good, but taken together, they form this horrible wall between us and everything that actually matters. 
Most conservative Christians I know say they believe in Satan. So why do we have such a hard time seeing his work when we are drawn away from the very oracles of God? Why don't we fight back? What do we lose if we don't fight back? St. Paul today tells us what we lose when we abandon the word of God. We lose hope. And without hope, there is only power and excess in the daily march to the grave. But then do we gain by earnestly seeking our hope and comfort in the word of God. We gain nothing less than the endurance and encouragement we need to fight our way out of this broken world as one holy people united in heart and soul and mind. St. Paul today is writing to a church newly created out of the union of God and man, Jew and Greek, rich and poor, a union only made possible through the reconciling death of Jesus Christ. He is commanding this group of men and women to be a public refutation of everything the fallen world tries to get us to worship. The idolatry which breaks the unity that can only come from worshiping the true saving God with one united voice. Where do we find that voice? We find that voice in the word of God, such that we can no longer speak with the vain babbling tongues of men, but rather sing in the exalted language of Almighty God, sing in a harmony that can only come from God putting the words in our lips. By reading and singing and praying through the Bible, we become the human heralds of God's victory. We get to throw away all the noise and arguments of those whose only hope lies in the schemes of men. And we get to join with the heavenly, eternal choir, praising God with our every breath and thought. This united front is the living, breathing manifestation of what Christ has accomplished in his sacrificial death. As St. Paul writes, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Romans 15, 8 through 9. The sad truth, though, is the more we have abandoned the word of God, the less sense that last sentence makes to us at all. And if that sentence makes no sense to us, we've lost hope. We can't derive hope from patriarchs. We don't know promises. We don't understand. And a glory we don't even know how to long for. However, what St. Paul asks us to do, commands us to do, is to humbly unite ourselves to the Word. And in that way, we see ever more clearly that God the Son has brought history itself to a climax by eternally binding himself to the humanity of his elect people. God the Son became man so a new and righteous mankind could keep the unbreakable promises of God given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Israel's destiny come to life. The great blessing to all the nations of the world, the sacrifice which accomplishes the saving covenant 
made between God and man 4,000 years ago. There is no real hope in our lives which is separated from this assured, God-guaranteed hope. Everything else in the world will eventually fail or disappoint us. Everything else will eventually turn to ash in our hands, or in the hands of our children, or in the hands of our children's children. All of it. We are either connected to God's saving work, this Bible is our Bible, or we are hopeless as every other poor, sad fool who thinks death can be bribed. Every poor soul who thinks his collection of accomplishments is worth anything if it isn't in service to the Lord of everlasting life. Today, St. Paul holds up this Lord for all of us to see as he turns to us and invites us to be united with him, united with him and each other in praise and worship. Far too many have been convinced by the lost and the damned rushing around, hurrying and scurrying from thing to thing. They've been convinced that praise is the enemy of action. Worship is the enemy of accomplishment. But this evil lie couldn't be further from the truth. When we come together as a worshiping community, we bind ourselves to this one great, untainted human accomplishment. The one time our selfish, confused race has ever gotten anything perfectly right. We bind ourselves to the glory of Christ on his cross. As St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. In our sacramental feast, the feast we will enjoy today, the word is made visible when we recite the words of God made flesh. His words, take, eat, this is my body. Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament. We say those words, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are united to the God-man who first said them. We are united to him and to all those who faithfully cling to his cross. Jew and Greek, African and European, Asian and Australian, Republican and Democrat. All of us that the world is trying to desperately get apart to attack and destroy us. All of us are united in the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving with the God-man who has saved the world. He has saved the world, no other. There is simply nothing in our lives which will ever rise above our participation in glorifying God for his mercy. There's nothing. The parts of our hearts which are to convince us differently are the parts we should be fighting with ever-renewed zeal. The people, in fact, those in our lives are activities which allow us to seduce us away from the daily praise and worship of God, from the loving study of his word and the hope and comfort found there. These should be recognized as the terrible enemies they are. The praise and worship of God in our daily lives and in the community of faith together, it is the ultimate sign of defiance against Satan and sin and death and evil, Satan and the evil and pain he loves. 
Our praise and worship is the humble offering of our souls and bodies, the very thing Satan said he couldn't do. This is where we say we will do it. There is no gray area here. No cowardly neutrality is available. There is only Christ or Satan, good or evil, join or die. Any ideology or belief system or allegiance we have which tells us differently is lying to us because it wants our souls. It wants us. It's ultimately begging us to choose death over life. And so how do we know then when we are being lied to? How do we know when we're being lied to? How do we know when we are being seduced into trading hope and comfort for enmity and strife? We can only be set free from this cycle of living slavery by submitting ourselves to the truth. And we can only know the truth by hearing, reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting all the holy scriptures of God. Those beautiful words of our colleague today. If you are not faithfully executing these solemn duties, you might very well be a Christian, but you will be one who is constantly falling prey to the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You might very well be a Christian, but you will be madly focused on the temporary nonsense of a dying world. And if that is what we are focused on, we will miss out on the hope and comfort which comes from the God who loves us and speaks to us in his holy word. As the 16th century Anglican bishop and theologian John Jewell wrote, all that is written in the word of God is not written for angels or archangels or heavenly spirits, but for the sons of men and for our instruction, that by them we may receive strength and comfort in all our adversities and have hope of the life to come. The Bible is the word of God. God openeth his mouth and speaketh to us to guide us into all truth, to make us full and ready in all good works, that we be perfect men in Christ Jesus, so rooted and grounded in him that we be not tossed to and fro with every tempest. Whatever tempest may be tossing you and I to and fro this week, let us join with St. Paul by rejoicing in Christ's victory over death. And let us see every day how Christ's victory is our victory in the blessed pages of God's holy word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.